everyone, it's DJ. Today I have an interview with an individual who has gone through the entire procedure with medical retirements and has gone through the agony of receiving VA compensation and receiving military pay when she shouldn't have and then being hit with a massive debt. This is part of what I described in a previous episode as Operation Iceberg. I called it that because of this being only a piece of what we see and it probably being a much larger issue. In fact, I'm completely positive of that. And Her name is Valerie and I'm going to bring her on now. And when we are all done, I will have a few comments at the end, but I think you're going to enjoy this interview. There's a lot of excellent information here, and she's got a quite interesting story to boot. So join me now for my talk with Valerie, and enjoy the show. I'll be back shortly. So, Valerie, welcome to the RC Retirement uh, Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, I'd like to start off things with a little getting to know you segment. So, if you don't mind, tell us a little about yourself. How did you go from being a girl sitting in homeroom in high school to a woman in the Army? Uh, I'm sure you didn't just start out thinking to yourself, my gosh, I want to wear weird clothes and eventually have all sorts of pay problems later in life. How did you get from then to now? Um, well, actually, I uh, in high school, I wanted to be a profiler for the FBI, um, but wow. realized very quickly that I couldn't afford college. <laughs> so... Uh, my second favorite thing to do was fix things, so whether it be bikes, skateboards, vehicles, whatever. Um, so I ended up going to school to do that, and I was a mechanic for Honda for a while. And um, in 2003, when the war started, uh, I joined. I quit Honda and I joined the uh, Army National Guard. Cool. So. Uh... So when you joined the National Guard, um, let's see, were you a, a wheel vehicle mechanic or, or, or my favorite sort of thing, a tank mechanic? Uh, what were you exactly? Yes, I I didn't realize when I joined that girls could not be infantry. So um, <laughs> <laughs> having my background in mechanics uh, at the time, uh, my the uh, my MOS was a critical one. It was a 63 hotel. So I was a tracked vehicle and uh, heavy equipment repair, and uh, it made it a lot easier, you know, going through AIT because I already knew what they were teaching me other than breaking track. Um, so mm -hmm. that's what I did. I did that for six years, and then I reclassed to um, an ammunition specialist. Ah, so, yeah, you were a critical skill then. <laughs> right, yeah. All right. Breaking track, one of my least favorite <laughs> things to do. <laughs> yeah, I, I was very fortunate in that I only had to do that one time. Oh, no, twice, actually. Um, I did it twice, and 
you know, that's a, a level 10 job, so. <laughs> it is not fun. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, uh, if you would, tell us a little bit about the deployment that led to your injuries uh, or the ones that caused your medical retirement. Uh, you can, of course, leave out anything that's too personal. Um, I did my first, I did two tours. My first one was, um, they were both in Iraq. First one was in 05. So Ooh. six, it was 18 months. And, um, I, during my time there, yeah, it was not a very good time at all. Um, but during my time there, uh, I, obviously I was a mechanic for, I worked on Bradley's and, um, I was in the, I was part of the lioness team and, I also was a cruiser, I was a 50 cal gunner um, for multiple missions for things like um, transfer of detainees, um, supply missions, just whatever was required. So a father you were not? Uh, no, I was not a father and I was not really on a father, I was on an outpost, so. <laughs> Kind of just out there anyway. Oh wow! What about your second deployment? My second deployment was, um, I think, as easy as it gets. We, I was, I spent the whole time on an airfield, and I, I had reclassed to uh, 89 Bravo at that time. So I did things like we refueled um, helicopters. We uh, supplied them with ammo. We loaded Chinooks with pallets, things like that. Oh, yeah, that is com comparatively easy. That was super easy. Yeah, and uh, I did I did not leave the – I was on a FOB that time and didn't leave at all, so it was pretty, pretty nice. <laughs> Minus the humidity. It was a little closer to Kuwait, which I would rather be um, in the middle of Iraq than anywhere near Kuwait. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of interesting that you'd rather go north further into Iraq because it's cooler than, yeah. <laughs> than to get closer to Kuwait where it's much hotter. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I don't ever want to go there. Yeah. <laughs> Only people who have been there understand that. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I think you're right. Cause I've talked to some people and they, and they, they, I think they just think it's in my head or something, but it's not. Oh, Kuwait is an oven. Yeah. All right. Um, so, when you was it in country that you sustained your injuries, or was it uh, when you came back? It was in country. I had a physical injury, injury um, during train up, uh, which led to a TBI. But it, like I was actually retired for uh, PTSD, um, and it's kind of complicated. I would not have been retired but some events unfolded when i came home from my retirement which i think we're going to talk about eventually but yeah, um, yeah that led to my retirement otherwise I'd, I'd probably still be in and if i do skip over them uh, inadvertently please you know go back up and we'll go into them i don't want to miss anything oh, yeah, sure. important all right so um for the moment, uh, please describe your experience going through the medical evaluation uh, boards. Uh, what was that like for you? 
uh, once you got back and determined that you did have problems, when you were referred to the boards, what was that like for you? All right. Well, um, when you say like going through the medical evaluation board, do you just mean dealing with the, the Peblo and all that stuff? Or, yeah. Or actually being examined and, oh, okay. Well, I'll um, talk about the Peblos and whatnot in a minute. That's, that's coming up. But, uh, all right. Well, like the, well, my, like dealing with, uh, the exams, you don't have to talk about the doctors and all the stuff they did, but just the procedures themselves the uh the professionalism the thoroughness um the timeliness professionalism things of that nature okay um as far as that goes i think it was well in retrospect it was pretty smooth sailing you know what i mean um i didn't have any problems getting appointments. They were all very timely. In fact, they arranged for me to go out to um, New York and meet my Pablo. And I think within the next four weeks, I had had all my exams. Oh, wow. um, yeah, it was it was pretty it was pretty quick. And uh, the as far as the thoroughness and stuff like that, um, it was hit or miss. There were some um, that I think it was, I kind of felt like maybe I was in the social security office. You know what I mean? Like it was adversarial. Uh, I think they were just, they were trying to disprove things rather than just find out what was there. Um, but the majority of the experience was pretty, I mean, I, I don't really have anything to complain about. And the things that I didn't think were right, I brought up to my lawyer, um, who was assigned to me and he took care of everything. So I think I probably had a, a really easy experience compared to, to most. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to hear that. That's, that's excellent. Yeah. So as far as support from your branch of service, how would you quantify that when you were going um, to the That is where this, – this is what I alluded to earlier. Um, that was actually pure hell for me. Uh, and – the reason I said I would probably still be in is because when I came home from my first deployment, our readiness NCO had been, um, like we got a new readiness NCO at my unit and he kind of went on his own little mission. I don't know what he really was trying to accomplish, but, uh, he started giving me counseling statements for random things that were like, did not deserve counseling statements. Um, and I had never had any disciplinary action at all up to, up until this point. And here it turns out, eventually, I found out he was trying to administratively discharge me without my knowing it. And um, I was actually, I volunteered for my second deployment, and I was doing a uh, the primo things, uh, SRP. And I took the paperwork with me that he was trying to get me to sign, and I asked um, one of the officers down there what it was so when he told me that they were trying to discharge me I asked them what my options were and that's why I applied or like requested the medical evaluation board because um I didn't deserve to be kicked out but if they were going to kick me out and get away with it I wasn't not going to have any benefits after everything that I did you know what I mean so I just kind of had to fight my own fight um 
And that's, wow. what, that's exactly what I did. And I mean, I think two two years, not even two years after I got out, Tim and the rest of uh, my chain of command at that unit were all um, uh, separated from the military. So it wasn't just me, you know what I mean? Like he, they did stuff to other people as well and, you know. So poetic justice, so, so to speak. Yeah. But I wish it never happened because I still, I would have loved to still be in the military. You know what I mean? Like it really, it just shifted my life uh, unexpectedly. You know what I mean? So, which led to a lot of really unpleasant experiences. Um, but I got back on my feet, you know, and and now I'm dealing with this issue. <laughs> yeah, we'll, so we'll get to it is uh, what it is. Yeah, we'll get to that issue in a second. That, that's the yeah. the big one. Um, yeah. I'm sorry you had to go through that. Um, I've heard of that kind of unit level shenanigans many times, and, yeah. and it's it's always a shame when. Uh, I'll just use the word again when shenanigans occur. Um, I uh, I hate that kind of stuff. All right, uh, one more thing on the medical boards, and then we'll move on. Uh, how would you describe the physical evaluation board liaison officers, the PEBLOs, and the uh, the military service coordinators, you know, the VA guys, um, as far as their training and their experience? Would you say it was sufficient uh, as far as dealing with reservists and their unique you know, their unique uh, circumstances, or or would you say that they were more oriented towards the active duty side or that they were pretty well-rounded? What would you say about these people? Um, again, I I either got really lucky or I, I don't know. I, I feel very fortunate because I had the, um, the Pavlo, a lawyer was assigned to me, and there was another gentleman who I think is the, the coordinator you're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, I forget what his title was, but I was very uh, like I refused to sign any anything. I would not initial or sign anything until it was explained to me in a way that I could understand it. And um, they were all very patient with me. They um, they actually stood up for me uh, at the end. Like the army tried to say that my PTSD wasn't service related because I was not involved in combat. So I had to uh, appeal that decision and send in like award recommendations and stuff. I gave that to, to the lawyer uh, and within 24 hours, because I requested a um, like an in-person hearing. And so I sent that stuff to my lawyer and within 24 hours, they uh, reversed their decision. And, <laughs> Excellent. You know, exactly. So, um, I mean, everything, she, like, my Pablo would call me as soon as she got information, she would email me stuff so I could print it, sign it, and fax it or email it back to her. Like, I have zero complaints about about them. That is wonderful, because I've heard horror stories about all of the above. And so now yeah. to hear, you know, accolades is is wonderful. So I'm, I'm glad you had... Yeah. I'm glad you had a good experience. Yeah, me too. And, oh. and like, I even saved, I saved uh, documents 
and stuff showing how well they they did just in case you know just for the future in case anybody did ask which you know someone cares <laughs> well it, you know someone's got to tell the story the good and the bad yeah all right well sadly now we have to move on to the bad <laughs> yeah so yeah. when you started receiving your disability retired pay this is where your real problem began tell us how that started uh well first of all once i was finally retired um i had to go to a local retirement service office fill out all the paperwork they were supposed to send it in actually they gave it to me to send in i did it was never received so it took about two months to get it, get that straightened out. Um, but then they, then DFAS started paying me. I have, I had already been receiving disability from the VA, but DFAS started paying me. Um, so I immediately got on the phone uh, with both the VA and DFAS and, and was like, uh, I'm getting paid from both of you and I'm not sure what to do. Like one of you has to stop, you know, cause I, I knew. I was told by multiple sources that I could not get both. Right. Um, so I I called DFAS uh, and the VA for probably two months, um, just honestly kind of talking to different people, seeing what everyone would say, if I could get a consistent answer from either of them. Um, and the VA basically said, you know, do you – you waive your your uh, retirement pay, so you you are entitled to your VA pay, um, which is what I originally agreed to at the retirement service office. So I continued to call DFAS, and eventually I was told that I was being paid because I was eligible for CDRP. And I, after a couple of months, I'm just like, well, you know, these people have been doing this for years. Maybe I am wrong, and I also contacted, uh, like I'm from Pennsylvania, so I contacted the people at um, our headquarters at the Gap and was asking, you know, people there. And just everybody kept saying, you're okay, like you're going to be okay. And this That's is where things went wrong. <laughs> yes. So, fast forward a year and a half, and I get a letter telling me that I owe over $46,000. All right. So, um, so this is where you started to learn the difference between uh, concurrent disability and retired pay and combat-related special compensation. Right. And, and, and actually, I knew the difference between them. Um, but when I every time that I would read the the description or like the um, the qualifiers for the CDRP, I just I don't think I fully understood them. You know what I mean? Either I don't know if I just second guessed myself and that's why I believed what I was told or what. Um, well, they I don't do know, sound I I very similar. <laughs> yeah, like I couldn't find anything that that clearly disqualified me you know what I mean so I just I just assumed that they were right 
and um, you know, once I when I called when I got that letter and I called them. Um, well, I'll, I'll tell you the one thing for CDRP that disqualifies you for that one. You have to have a length of service retirement first. So that's the 20 years? Right. Okay. And you don't have that. Right. And I, I mean, after like five months, I figured that out. <laughs> so, so since all this started, you've been doing a lot of research into how to resolve this. What else have you learned? since you started this project um, of yours? Well, I mean, the most important thing that I learned or was told actually was from a DFAS worker, like when I called one of the clients who, uh, she told me not to worry that oh, I'm not the only one because they had a coding issue. <laughs> so I don't, I know I'm not the only one this has happened to, um, but, uh, ever since I got my letter, I think it was in June of 2016, I periodically go online. I just search for stories, you know, veterans that I use keywords trying to match my story. Um, and just this year, well, since I've been talking to you, I think it was maybe a month ago or so that I reached out. Um, I found you and I found a story about a gentleman in, I think he was in South Carolina. And, um, but I mean, I, I tried to get a waiver. I was denied the waiver. I have reached out to the Wounded Warrior Project, IAVA, the VFW, my local VA, my, uh, county representative, my state representative, my federal representatives, and every member of the, um, Senate Committee on Veterans Affairs. And not one of them will help me, which tells me that DFAS has nobody to hold them responsible for their actions. There's no checks and balances when it comes to DFAS. And the worst part about the whole thing, I wouldn't even care about paying the money back, but they're collecting 1% interest on it. So in July or June or July or whatever of 2016, I owed $46,000 and I've been paying it every month since then, what I can afford, and I still owe $45,000. Oh, wow. Well, you're, you're right. You are not the only one uh, who is affected by this. Um, I actually, uh, as, I, as I've said before, I, I did a video on this very topic a few weeks ago that I called uh, Operation Iceberg because we're only seeing a small part of what's obviously a larger issue. And there are a great many retirees who are receiving retired pay and VA compensation who are also eligible for this other benefit called combat-related special compensation. That benefit is supposed to make up for part of the offset that the VA has or that the VA makes into uh, military retired pay. That, I think, is what is going on with DFAS. That, and this leads to my next question. Have you applied for combat-related special compensation yourself? You said your PTSD was 
determined to be combat related. So, have you applied for CRSC? Um, yes, I I was retired at 100% uh, disability through both um, the DoD and I received 100% from the VA. And when this whole thing happened, um, I I did apply for the CRSC and I get like $300 a month. For CRSC? Yes. Okay. That's it? Yes, and I have asked probably 25 people to explain to me how to um, do the, the equation that they get to that at, and I, nobody, I, I either, either it can't be explained to me in a way that I understand, or I, I'm just, I just don't get it. I don't. <laughs> I don't like, know what's happening. I'd like to see the. Uh, I'd like to see the uh, letter that came with that decision. It sounds like they determined you to have like a twenty percent CRSC rating. And it says a hundred percent on there. If that were the case, then you would have. Oh, I get it. I get it. Okay. I have no idea. Nope, I get it. Maybe you can explain it to me. <laughs> yep, I can. All right. It just clicked. Okay. CRSC. When it when it pays. This this is going to probably sound like farcy when I. <laughs> when I explained it the first time. All right, so you have a, a complete offset of your military retirement, right? Right. All right, so that means you get nothing from the Army. So CRSC is paying you what your reserve pension would have been if you could get it right now based on the retirement points you had when you discharged. Oh, okay. See, I wish, why couldn't somebody just tell me that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I, that makes sense to me. That makes total sense to me. Wow. That's the first time someone got it the first time. Outstanding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that I, that I totally get. I just, like they would always just throw these numbers and percentages around and, and, uh, and I'm just like, all right. <laughs> all right. So that that's the short version. Yeah. So that's why it's $300. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So that's, that is why DFAS is going to say you still owe, you know, because, you know, we're already paying you this other thing. And really what I don't get is why they don't just withhold the 300 and apply that toward the overpayment. You know, it, it seems. Yeah, well, I actually, I mean, that's what I pay it with right now. You know what I mean? So. Um, Thanks for the check. Here, take it back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. But um, my, my biggest concern right now is, uh, you know, I've been, uh, every year I can 
Actually, I don't know if I have to wait a year, but, oh, yes, I do. I'm sorry. Okay, so every year I can write in and request a payment that I can afford, you know what I mean? But the last time that I I called somebody about it at DFAS, the woman that I spoke to told me that I only have three years to pay off this debt. Oh, dear. So I'm concerned now that, you know, it's almost it was 16, so 17, 18 19, like I have a, I have very little time to figure this out. You know what I mean? I mean, it might seem like a a lot of time, but it's not a lot of time. No, it's not. Um, And I, like before all of this happened, before I was, while I was still in the military, right before I was retired, like I was homeless and I worked my way out of that hole and I could be put right back in that hole just because of an accounting error. And the inability to let me make payments that I can afford. You know what I mean? Um, because had I known for sure that I wasn't supposed to be getting that money, I would not be in this situation. You know? Because ever since I started getting disability from the VA, they have overpaid me and taken money back and overpaid me and taken money back. So I, you know what I mean? Like I know to save that money. Um, And we have people all the time who are getting paid from both sides and assuming that both sides know what they're doing. So they're spending the money. Right. And I didn't, I didn't just assume that they knew what they were doing. You know what I mean? Like I did not touch that money for months because I was, I was terrified because I went from having zero money at all. Like, having to borrow money for gas to go to AT uh, to calling my bank and saying, did somebody deposit money in the wrong account? <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was like, yeah. uh, it was, it was it, terrifying at first. So I don't know. I, don't, I would terrifying. not take back my service, but it's, it's a, like, I can't even save money for retirement right now. Because if I did, if I do, they could they could just take it. You know what I mean? Like their my entire future is affected by this. It's not just right now. I have zero savings for my future. Right, because everything can be garnished. Exactly. For government debt. Wow. Well, sadly. From from your perspective, you know, what advice would you give others who might be facing a similar situation? Um, you know, I think I would just say do your homework and don't listen to the VA or DFAS. Go talk to a lawyer. There, I'm pretty sure you can talk to a lawyer for free through that. Um, there's like a national network. I forget what the name of, of it is, but oh, Stateside Legal. Um, I think that you could probably find a lawyer there that will sit down and explain everything to you. Um, and Don't talk to a barracks lawyer either. Yeah, no, not a barracks lawyer, like an actual civilian <laughs> lawyer who deals with veteran benefits. Like that's who you want to talk to because I wish to God I would have known. You know what I mean? I just wish I would have known. 
Um, but you can't, you don't know what you don't know. So my advice to anybody that's getting ready to retire or going through a med board or anything, or even just receiving VA um, disability, like talk to a lawyer and ask them, ask them what the laws are regarding your payment, ask them to look over your paperwork. Uh, you know, don't spend any money until you know for sure that it's yours. Uh, which that in itself can be hard being in the National Guard because it's hard to keep a job when you are getting deployed and then you're home and, you know, you're not, you're making $300 a month going to drill. <laughs> right. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. and then you, you, don't only, you know, I think that, I think that people think you get paid a lot when you go, when you get deployed and you don't. Like I made more as a mechanic for Honda in 2001 than I did spending a year and a half deployed to Iraq. So, wow. Uh, yeah. When uh, when I was deployed the first time, uh, our uh, S3 did an economic impact study on our battalion on you know, who did better and worse, you know, as a result of deployment and. It was quite eye-opening. There were a lot of guys that did better as a result of deployment, and a lot who were mm -hmm. negatively impacted. I I would have thought overall, you know, being a bunch of guys from Georgia and Alabama, that most people would have been positively impacted. But it was quite interesting to see how many people had very good jobs, and even with the tax incentives and whatnot, were actually losing money as yep. a result of their deployment. It was very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, I went from making almost $20 an hour to being uh, an E4. So even with so, the tax, uh, tax-free status and, and all of the other goodies, still bringing home less? Yeah, I think I made, I'm not really good at, I think I made like 32,000 um, I'm a number junkie. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm, I I want to say that I made around thirty-two thousand for the year and a half that I was deployed. Um, and I, I don't think that worked out to twenty bucks an hour. No. That's Eighteen months. No, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Even the quick math. Nope. <laughs> All right. Wow. You've had quite a journey so far, and you've been doing a lot more than just um, internet research. Like you said, you've been talking to representatives and you know, and trying to. Sounds like you were trying to get some sort of grassroots thing going as well. Um, yeah, I, I would that? love to be able. I would love to be able to like get all. You know, remember, um, I have a very bad sense of like time but I know in the recent past there was a, um, a group of soldiers out in California that were having to pay back debts for uh, bonuses that they had received and they somehow caught Congress's attention and they fixed that for them uh, I feel like we need to get their attention some I like I said I know I'm not the only one so I, I would love to find a way to identify how many people this is happening to and bring that to the attention of Congress 
because like I said, I've written them all and I, they don't, they just tell me that they don't deal with case, case work, case work, I think they say. Um, so, I mean, I, I recently set out, sent out those letters to the Senate Committee on Veterans Affairs. Um, I believe that was the beginning of last month. I'm giving them 60 days uh, to hear back from them. So far, I've only heard back from two. Was that state uh, one. or federal Senate? Um, federal. So okay. I heard back from the, it's the, yes, the, it's the Senate Committee on Veterans Affairs. Um, I forget what the gentleman's name is. He's he's a congress congressman from Alaska, I believe. Um, I heard back in his office what they just told me. You know, we don't handle case law, or I'm sorry, not case law, case. What I, I forget what I said there, but they don't handle casework. That's what it is. Um, and then I heard from Casey, who is my state representative, um, and they basically said they can't help me either. So, I mean, she told me that she could put me in touch with somebody that might be able to put me in touch with somebody who works trying to affect veteran veteran laws and stuff in D.C., uh, but she hasn't done that. So, hmm. I don't know, but uh, if I don't hear back from them in 60 days, my next case or my next step is to take all the information that I have sent to um, that I sent to Congress and I need to gather a timeline of when I started this, who all I have contacted because like I said, I did I mean from my county level up and groups like IAVA and stuff like that uh, so just make a timeline and get that, in, you know, print out proof so I have I can actually show that I did it and just start sending out uh, packets to all the major media outlets because somebody has to listen. And if they don't listen here in America, then I'm going to start sending them to uh, Europe. You know what I mean? Because they report a lot on our news. You know what I mean? So somebody's going to listen to me. I'm not going to stop. I don't care if they take my paycheck. I don't care if they take my house. But something has to change. And the pot gets stirred. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine if, if this was being done to police officers? You know, they have such a public, uh, you know, they're, um, you know, they're seen in public all the time. You, you can't you can't just look around and see veterans. You don't know who's a veteran, you know. So I don't know how to make it public. And, oh, and, I mean, it doesn't help that I don't use social media. I'm not on Facebook or tw Twitter or anything like that. Uh, yeah. Nor am I. Not to speak yeah. of. <laughs> yeah, so, like, I, I really... I have an account for the website, but I'm I'm rarely on it. Um, um, oh, well, please keep me updated in, in how this goes. I, I would love to know how you fare because this affects a lot of people and if I will definitely and if you have success then I don't know how many thousands of others have hope as well so yeah you have my if you like 
if you think of a way to gather names of somebody or, you know, of who this is happening to, like if through your podcast, you know, if somebody hears this and they know somebody that this has happened to or it's happening to them, like reach out to me, I'll put your name on a list and I'll be like, you know what I mean? Like we need, I need to make it. I feel like if there's this one person yelling, it's easier to ignore. But if you have a thousand people yelling, it's not that easy. You know what I mean? Well, how about this? Um, if people want, if people would like to get in contact with you, how about they let me know, and then I send their contact information to you. That would be great. And then I can, and then you can reach out to them. Yes, that would be phenomenal. And if by some great thing, like if some great thing happens and it starts to overwhelm you, just let me know. And you can just give them my information. Uh, <laughs> or you know I, what I mean? Like we can do another podcast and make or whatever and, and I'll give my information. But I'm glad to be the yeah. middleman. If it helps to resolve this, if it makes the iceberg melt away, I'm glad to have played a small part. Yeah. So you know. that would be awesome. So I'm I'm glad to do it. Um, this is something that needs to be resolved. It's a problem on a national scale, and it needs to be fixed. Right, so, and I mean, right now there's legislation that is doing just that, but only for VA pay. And I mean, they're taking away, they're trying to take away the VA's ability to recoup money that was made, uh, or that was paid. Uh, through uh, accounting errors on their part, which is exactly what this is. You know what I mean? So, well, there's the problem seems to be now. This is just DJ spouting his opinion, nothing more. Yeah. <laughs> um, the problem seems to be DFAS and VA computers not talking to each other in a timely manner. You know, I, I watched your video and you said that, but on my retirement application for benefits, which is sent directly to DFAS, when my account was set up, like they can't set up my account without that information, it says right on there in block 12, block 12 is the question, are you or were you receiving VA benefits and, and you then 12A or 12, yeah, I said yes, and then 12A or B, I forget which one it is, that's the amount that I'm getting. So they can't say that they didn't know. I, I don't, I, I but stoned over that paperwork because I didn't want to just jump on this and then have someone say, oh, well, you missed that. You know what I mean? Right. So, but there's still the sync between DFAS and VA as far as payments. Yeah. And that Do you happen to know how Go ahead. Yeah. No, go on. Do you happen to know how far back this goes? Like is it only affecting like Iraq and Afghanistan veterans or has it been happening before that also? I have not any... heard of this prior to Iraq and Afghanistan. Yeah. No, anything prior to that, you know, well I didn't become a retirement services officer prior to 2008, so well, obviously I wouldn't have heard anything prior to Iraq and Afghanistan. So I've been doing this since 2008, so anything prior to that before me. So, okay. 
So, uh, nope, that was before me. Um, but I think this is new, or at least the scale of it is new. Yeah, and that's what, I mean, that's what concerns me about that woman who said that about there being a coding issue, you know. And I also just read an article recently about, um, you know, people weren't getting paid CRSC when they should have been. So now they're doing all this back pay for CRSC. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel, sometimes I feel like the more I look, the more problems I find. You know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, well, when you say coding, that could be part of the problem because, again, DJ speaking his opinion, I could be wrong here. The DFAST pay system was originally written in the early 80s, and it's been upgraded piecemeal since then. CRSC and CDRP came about 10 years ago ish, 10, 15 years ago okay. with new codes. All of which are manually input. Mm -hmm. I have to send you the article that I read. Because I, I save them all. Anytime I find anything relating to this, I save it. So yeah, anytime you find cool stuff, send it to me. Yeah, More okay. email to go to the hundreds that I have. <laughs> please, please do, please do. Um, but yeah, anytime there's a transaction in the DFAST pay system, it's a manual thing, with the exception of feeds from other sources. I know the listeners are getting bored now. It's like, why, DJ, are you giving us a history lesson on DFAST <laughs> antiquated pay systems? We don't care. But <laughs> but anyway, let's just say you're you're building, you know, the CRSC data. That's a manual transaction, and if you fat finger something, well now you've got to wait till the next day to go fix it. Well, what if you're on vacation the next day? Oh, guess what? You forgot to do it because now you're away for a week. Yep. See where I'm going? Yep. <laughs> oh, there was a coding error. Well, who did it? We don't know. <laughs> yeah, and why am I paying uh, interest on that coding error? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. Again, no. I don't care if I have to pay the money back. That's not an issue for me. Yeah. Now, you should okay. not be. Right. Now, of course, I could be light years off. Someone who works at DFAST could be listening to this and say, DJ's full of it. It's not like that. And if someone is, please send me an email and let me know how it really is. I'd love to know. Well, but from my experience, talking with folks at DFAST, this is how I understand it. And if I'm wrong, please let me know. <laughs> All right. So I think we've beaten this horse enough for one day. We've certainly talked for a good while. It's been fun, actually, yeah. and educational. So thank you for spending almost an hour with me. Yeah, no, no problem. And uh, like I said, you know, any info you've got, please share. Um, 
and I, I am perfectly willing to be a conduit for anyone else out there mm -hmm. who has similar problems and wants to get in contact with you. Uh, I'll send their contact info to you. And um, thank you for being yeah. part of the RC Retirement Podcast. It was my pleasure. All right. Are there any closing thoughts you'd like to give the audience? Um, I don't think so. Yeah, I can't think the, of anything. Yeah, <laughs> may, may the force be with you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, honestly, like, going through my head right now is who? Uh... <laughs> uh, yes, there we go. <laughs> All right, Valerie, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And uh, like I said, please keep me updated on how things fare with you. Have a wonderful night. Thanks again. All right, thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, All right, so that is it for the talk with Valerie. I'm actually going to make a change to what I said in the interview, since that was pre-recorded. I am not going to be the middleman for the for contacts. She contacted me shortly afterwards and said, hey, here's a Gmail address. Have people send emails here and then they can just bypass me and go straight to her. So I figured well, that's great. Now for those of you in podcast land, I'll just go ahead and say the email address out loud and for those watching on the video, I'll put it at the bottom of the screen. For those in podcast land and watching, I'll say the letters phonetically. The, the email address is opid2018 at gmail.com. That's Oscar Papa India Delta 2018 at gmail.com. So that's how you can get in contact with Valerie if you have the same sort of situation that was described in that talk with her. I do believe that there are hundreds, possibly even thousands of people who are going through this same sort of problem and this might even be you know, a class action sort of affair. It definitely is something that needs to be addressed by by the VA and by DFAS. This is something that's hitting a lot of people for tens of thousands of dollars. It, it's a systemic problem and needs to be addressed. I don't know what the solution is myself. I just know that a problem exists and something needs to be done to fix it. So. If you are one of the people affected by this and would like to join Valerie in her efforts, then please contact her. And if you do want to contact me instead and have me forward your info, then of course I will do that. You know, I, I'm not going to shut out anybody. Alright, so I hope you enjoyed that interview. Of course, if you always do it. If you, if you have not subscribed to this, this channel, then please click on the icon here on the corner of the screen and subscribe now. 
If you have not subscribed to the podcast, then also subscribe now, be it in iTunes or Stitcher or whatever medium you prefer. If you would like to leave comments or questions or any such, then please do so in the comment section below. If you'd like to send me an email with a comment or question, then my email address is dj at rcretirement.com. It's been the same the whole time, so send it on. Um, do be advised, I get a lot of email, so it might take me a little while to respond. And of course, if you like this episode, then give it a thumbs up and you know, drop a comment. If you're watching watching. If you're listening in iTunes, then I would appreciate if you'd leave a comment or a review. That would help spread the word about this podcast. And of course, if you're watching in YouTube, then the more comments, the better. That also helps popularize the channel all the more. All right. So, please join me next week where we will continue to talk about military benefits in plain English. As always, I thank you for being part of this audience, and thank you for your service. Have a great day.